Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I just got off the uh, Instagram world. I was uh, doing an Instagram chat about uh, strokes, um, and you want to check that out. You can see the video on Instagram, and also I'm going to upload the audio uh, to Blog Talk Radio. It'll be available tomorrow, and then you can listen here at Blog Talk Radio on Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, and Google. Uh, you can listen to the audio. Uh, but this morning, I want to let you know, you can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and uh, Instagram is Saturdays with Joy Keys. But I have a very special guest. He was on the show before, and he was talking about ballers and uh, racism and uh, a lot of things. Uh, He is a a doctor, if you will, Dr. Sabidi Lewis from St. Louis, Missouri, and he grew up in West and North St. Louis. He's a graduate of the University of Rochester. He received his degrees in both English and history with honors, his master's uh, in the art of teaching, so he knows, like, the pedagogical type of thing, you know, <laughs> from the University of Rochester School of Education. And he has obtained his doctorate in English from St. Louis University with a special focus on American literature and culture between the 1950s and 1990s, and black feminist writer Tony Cade Bambara. And I think this is him on the line right now. Sabidi, is this you? Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be back with you. I'm so pleased that you're able to have me on your show, and uh, I've been following you. You've been doing great work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, like I said, he was on the show before uh, years and years. He was, like, in the beginning of when I was starting this, um, and, and so much has happened since then. But um, we had a great conversation then, and you can check it out, uh, again, online. If you search for, like, Joy Keys and Sabidi Lewis, it'll probably come up online, and you'll see our previous conversation. But this morning we're talking, uh, he wrote a book uh, about Tony K. Bambar and the importance of her work. Uh, but for people who don't know you, uh, when you were little, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> Uh, you know, when I was little initially, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete, Joy, and then I mm. stopped growing, although I was pretty good. <laughs> I... <laughs> and then I was going to be an engineer. I was going to be an industrial engineer. Um, but wow. um, then I realized I didn't really want to do engineering and found that I really liked uh, editing and writing, and I was in drama club in high school, and I was like, this is kind of cool. So before I went to University of Rochester, I sort of said, okay, I'm not going to do engineering, and uh, sort of found my way uh, in, uh, you know, studying uh, history and, and, and literature. And, um, you know, and I, my work now is kind of like an industrial engineer because I'm, a, I'm the associate vice chancellor for academic affairs, and my job requires a lot of collaborations and uh, kind of facilitating uh, and so the industrial engineers are on the floor getting the product, you know, to the market and having conversations with everybody in different areas. And so mm-hmm. I find my job around student success and, uh, you know, functioning in the same way between faculty and resources and, you know, things like that. So, uh, well, you sound almost like, 
you sound like Tony Cabin Barr's brother in a sense because you talk a lot about uh, her connection to, um, you know, the university and learning, uh, the idea of learning in different venues, but also staying close to the community, uh, staying close to the students that she uh, worked with. So she didn't have a disconnect of um, looking down on anybody. Uh, she was very much uh, a holistic view of uh, and collaboration, if you will. I mean, you talk about that a lot in her book. Why this book? Why now? <laughs> well, it, it should have come out uh, if you asked some mentors before I wrote Ballers. But um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I want. I've been doing some stuff before that. But you know, look, Tony K. Bambara is a uh, you know is a is a very important under, understudy figure of the black arts, black aesthetic, black feminist moment of the nineteen you know, 70s and 80s, and um, I previously published a collection of her interviews, conversations with Tony K. Bombard in 2012, and one of my good friends and colleagues, Dana uh, Williams, said, I, you don't, I hope you don't think you're going to get away with not uh, putting out that monograph about Tony K. And so mm. I, I said, okay, I, uh, you're right, Dana. I'm not going to be able to skirt by. And so I just, you know, pulled back, dug in, and uh, said, let me get this done. Now, I did run into some problems, like, you know, her papers were uh, being held up for a number of years at Spelman, and only certain people had access to them. And so it took a while to finally get, be able to get into the archive to, to really think about, okay, what am I going to do with her? And how am I going to, you know, kind of present her life and her work? And so, um, but she's really important because I think as people think about uh, African American literature and and uh, Black women writers uh, mm-hmm. of uh, the 70s and 80s and womanism. She is a precursor of these ideas, and she's a very important figure. And she really, you know, allows us as scholars, but also the people, to understand, you know, what art, what art can do to teach, you know, and help now, build nature. Now, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Her name is very interesting. Uh, you know, in the book you explain, but can you tell the audience about how her name came about? Yeah. Uh, so um, Tony, uh, Tony K talks about, she has an essay uh, where she talks about, you know, her name going, uh, you know, kind of evolving from, you know, uh, uh, Tony K to Tony K Bambara and her telling a story of seeing uh, the uh, the uh, the name Bambara on a trunk of her grandmother's uh, one of her grandmother's trunks, and yeah. uh, I in an interview with her brother, he you know he sort of said I don't think that's really true, but if you yeah. think about right, but but if you think about the spirit of the Bambara people, right, then it makes sense that Tony Cade would adopt the Bambara, right? And, uh, and her, her real first name is Miltonia. And by the time she was five years old, she'd come home and just told her mother, my name is Tony. You're going to call me Tony. Yes. And she was named so she Miltonia. Was, she was feisty. She was feisty she from was the feisty. beginning. She was feisty already. But what I love is you talked about her parents and the space they gave her to, to grow as a, as a human. 
Uh, and yes. do you feel in your life, did your parents allow that to, to you and that's why you're in academia? What, what do you think, <laughs> what influence did your parents have on you? You know, uh, I love my parents. And um, none, neither my mother, GD, my father, high school diploma, uh, assembly worker, insurance salesman, my mother, teacher aide, um, you know, their approach, my mother once said to me, I love her for this comment, said, look, just whatever you, I mean, it could be good and bad. Whatever you want to do, I support you. So that, you know, mm-hmm. like I would never say that to my kids. I'd be like, you got to at least get an undergraduate degree. But my mother, one thing she, she always spoke and told us, speak your mind. Don't be shut down. Be, you know, be outspoken. And that. I think just maybe from things she may have experienced, she said, my kids will know to speak their mind and not be silent. And so I thank her for that very much. And my father is an interesting guy who, you know, when I was a kid, my parents got divorced, but he would always take us to museums. And it really stimulated my curiosity about the world and, you know, began this sort of, you know, how, do you, how can you begin to self-educate? And so I grew up in St. Louis where all of the museums are free. And the zoo, everything is free. It's great for raising kids. Uh, you just have to take your kids to these things. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that was his plan, but he was like, hey, this is an activity. And so I think those kind of things help shape, you know, um, some of that spirit. And it, I think when I see someone like uh, the work of Tony Kay in her life, I'm really drawn to that, you know, kind of uh, mm-hmm. that and And, you know, I, my parents were young. So I was raised by community, my uncles and aunts, and they were involved in, you know, breakfast programs in St. Louis and activism. And, you know, one of my my uncles was in Philadelphia, which is why I know the city pretty well, you know, involved Mm -hmm, in kind mm -hmm. of socialist, communist organizations. And so that sort of political acumen was being cultivated early on, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Whether you're aware of it or not, these, these people are, are putting you uh, around these kind of things. And so when you read this work, and, you know, when I was in college, I, I decided I was majoring in English when I, when I took an introduction to African-American literature course, and when we got to the Black Arts Movement, I was like, I'm home. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> now, let, let me, Sabidi, let me ask you this. In the book, you talk about um, some issue of musicality in her work. Can you explain that to the audience? You talk about jazz and the influence it had on her work. Yeah, so I, I want to start and I want to apologize and I want to thank <laughs> Eleanor Trailer, who is a pioneering uh, Tony K. Bombard scholar who had, you know, one of the earliest essays uh, that really made sense of her very difficult novel, The Salt Eaters, and sort of read it as a jazz suite, right? And, um, but uh, Tony Tate herself talks about, you know, very much, you know, growing up in the 40s and 50s, you know, really being influenced by bebop, et cetera, and you feel that, those rhythms in her work, right, uh, bebop, you know, kind of uh, mm-hmm. moving through. And so you see the story, pithy, and there's also, you know, she's engaging the black community dynamic of vernacular, the way we speak of call and response, which we find in gospel and the sermonic, you know, the sermons, people, you know, church, as well as, mm-hmm. you know, in jazz. And so 
she is, you know, doing these, you know, engaging in these kind of jazz suites, where it's, you know, it's quick. And, and she's a better short story writer than a novelist. And she says that herself. Hey, I can't really, mm. you know, sustain the novel. It's too tiring. Yes. I'm like, she is phenomenal. <laughs> I think you got to be a heck of a writer to do the short story, you know. So, um, but, yes. so yeah, she, but also in her, in her last book, which we call Posthumous, you know, after she died, uh, uh, Those Bones Are Not My Child, I read that as her engaging, you know, sort of the tenets of uh, gospel and the sermonic a lot of call and response and gospel. And then in the Salt Eater, she is doing this jazz thing also, you know. So um, so the music, It's all up in you know, there and everything. It's in her work, it's, you know. It really yeah. is in her work, you know. Now let me um, ask you this. You know, um, go ahead, sorry. What were you going to say? No, go ahead. You, you're driving. I was going to say <laughs> one, of the main, one, one of the main issues you talk about is her feminism and balancing with um, the male, the male and female spirit balance, and not to shun uh, the, the male yet still being a feminist. How can, how can that be? Because that wasn't the case. People weren't doing that, uh, weren't doing that in their work. She was, as you were saying in the book, uh, you know, one of the first to really, I guess, share that knowledge of how to do that. Yeah, because... You know, the, the white publishing industry and critics uh, in some ways use, uh, have created this narrative around sexism being the province of, of black folk or black men. And while sexism has always existed in our society, if you look at the and, – and exists definitely in the black community, but if you look at the record of the black organization, in order for us to get some modicum of – you know, liberation and change, uh, you know, best human step up. And you have all these really significant black women leaders, Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, uh, you think about the Black Panther Party, you know, their female uh, figures. Right. So, so that's consistent and it's necessary, right? If we, cause we, for us to be successful, we have to come together. Uh, and so this whole, her whole thing is, you know, this idea of the culture work, but these collaborations being essential for black, successful black nation building. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in her work, she is critical of male figures, but constantly um, uh, pushing the importance of, of black men and women work, black men and women working together and black men, uh, you know, following the lead of black women, you know, um, and uh, like uh, in one in the uh, the organizer's wife, you know his wife is leading the community. You know, uh, mm-hmm. in, yes. uh, you know in, in that in that story, um, and and so there's this we're we we're working together against a common enemy to build a nation, and at the same time, you know my wife will check me, but we together. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I think it's healthy and it's important. So she's a feminist, she's a nationalist, she's a Marxist cultural worker, and, you know, she was uniquely committed to, you know, a real deep introspection about building herself, freeing herself, this idea of community and nation. And so she was always saying, well, look, the, the beginning of liberation begins within, with the self. Then the mm-hmm. next part is, you know, we got to be critical of those with, you know, saying before, if we're going to move forward effectively. And so 
You see this right. over and over in her work. No. Um, now, so she also wasn't just a writer. She she wasn't just a writer. Let's, she was not just a writer. Oh, yeah. We need to let the audience know that. She was here in Philadelphia uh, working uh, with Louis Messiah, who actually I know and I knew his brother, uh, at a place called Scribe Video. Tell the audience what she was doing there. Oh, man. So uh, first let me just express enormous love for Louis Masai. Uh, My sister, uh, Anita, every time I would come to Philly, we, if I needed to do something, we're rolling, right? And so I was like, hey, I, I reached out to this guy, Louis Masai, who uh, worked with – so I want to thank Louis. He's just so gracious. And my sister took mm-hmm. me to his house, and he opened his doors, cooked me dinner, and he just, we talked about Tony. And he has one of the best interviews with Tony that exists, okay, mm. uh, because he knew her really well. Uh, so she was working at Scribe uh, teaching script writing and uh, learning some things from Louie around editing. And so I said, man, you really helped her? He said, oh, no, no, Sabidi, let's be clear. When she came here, she knew a ton about filmmaking and script writing and all these things. And so – uh, so she worked with him on the really important move documentary, and she did herself the you know uh, uh, WB the boys uh, and four voices. She also had uh, uh, did another uh, oh man what's the brother's name really important black Philadelphian. She made a documentary about uh, I'm sorry I'm I'm doing Tony K today and can't um, even I, remember the brother's <laughs> name. That's okay. Cecil B. Well, Moore is that you. right? Oh Cecil B. Moore Cecil. yes. Mm-hmm. There's a street uh, named after him. That's right. And so, you know, and, and if you, and Tony is, is always about, you know, the black arts movement, black culture, uh, the beauty of it, the richness of it, it's in the people. Look, I, I'm a working, I come from working class background, a poor working class background. And the beauty of, of the things people create, you know, that's why we love hip hop so much. It is a reflection of what, you saw in the blues and the spirituals. I mean, just black people and language and the culture so, is so inno, constantly innovative, and, and that emanates in the folk, the people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, uh, well, I think know, she, she helped people not feel ashamed maybe of, like, you know, this is all that I have. Um, but that all that you have is all that you have. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's reframe oh, right. that statement, you know, to, to, and, and, and she showed that uh, in, in the writing. One of the things that um, is really interesting is um, her work as a social worker and how that impacted her writing and her yeah. concern for children. Uh, you mm-hmm. talk about that in the book, um, the, the concern yeah. and the importance no. of, of the children in liberation. Can you tell the audience why yeah. children are important in liberation? So you, Tony is so brilliant, and she is unlike any of the other writers, she actually has experience as a social worker with the people, not just writing up lofty away, but she's on the ground. She worked in a, um, she worked uh, in a, uh, like one of these um, uh, uh, places that help, uh, the, you know, uh, where you have people who are college educated working in the community, uh, uh, helping people, um, similar kind of social work. Uh, kind of helping people just kind of develop themselves, right? So mm-hmm, the black mm-hmm. arts movement itself, the whole thing, like people talk about Sankofa, you know, uh, 
this idea of, you know, the, the past and the future, the black arts movement was, is constantly pushing and negotiating this idea of our future is our youth, but we must un- understand our ancestral past. And so she is capturing these multitude of voices in the young people. And if you look at her first collection, Grill of My Love, people, some people uh, make the mistake of going, oh, this is, a, this is a collection of children's work. No, she is just, this is her first collection of, of, of fiction, and this is her as a younger writer, but she's capturing the, the future, the voices of the youth, alongside the elders. Right, mm-hmm. and so um, that is the mantra there, because that's our, you know, that our our, our youth can be our future or our fate. <laughs> so it's well, you can see it now. Look listen. at the look at the mass shootings that happen, and and some many of them are young people, maybe of another ethnicity. But the point is, um, young people are suffering with trauma in our community. Uh, some have PTSD. Um, you know, living in poverty itself causes issues, um, and uh, they are extremely important. And in one of the stories, I think it was a young lady named Ollie um, trying to navigate the way um, you, you mentioned Ollie, and then there was another uh, young lady, um, another young child in there as well. But but they're very important in respecting them. Oh, it was about the birthdays. That that was something you were talking about. The importance oh, of a birthday. Yeah. And uh, yeah. people missing the child's birthday and how that can impact. You know, a lot of times uh, in the black community, children are to, are to be seen but not heard. That's something That's right. that people, some historical thing. But I don't, I didn't believe in that. I wasn't raised like that. We could be seen, no, we could I, be heard. I, I don't push that either. Now, I pay for it as my daughters are constantly reprimanding me or we're engaging in serious dialectic, but... That's what we want. That's how, you know, steel sharpens steel. If we're going to be building a strong nation and liberation, it begins with our young people. And so Tony's first collection, Gorilla, is showing that, right? Like we, you, the young women have to have learned how to like each other and develop strong relationships, right? That, um, yep. you know, yep. the most mundane things uh, of, of young people of just trying to figure out who they are and something as, as – seemingly innocuous uh, as a, of just a birthday and how did that happen, you know, uh, is like, hey, we need to make sure we pay attention, you know, to our young people. You know, one of the short stories in, um, in uh, Gorilla My Love that uh, people read it differently from me is the lesson uh, where people go, oh, wow, the kid's going to FAO Schwartz, blah, 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 right? Uh, I mean, I'm not yeah. doing too bad financially. But I'm taking my kids, we go to F.A. When we went to F.A.O. Shorts, it was really just me talking about that short story and just for them to see these enormous wealth disparities. And I was like, well, you can find something for about $30, we can get it. But uh, other than mm. and there's nothing, you know, that you can do in there. But you see these enormous wealth disparities. And her using Paulio Frieri, the, uh, you know, pedagogy of, pedagogy of the oppressed, because this is some mm-hmm. people that really influenced Tony to say, how do we get people who, and again, this is my, the liberation impulse I talk about in her work, in order to get a liberation fighter, it, you can't, I can't, Joy, I can't make you be conscious. I have to be a teacher that moves you towards that realization so that you can really be down for the, 
all the way down. You got to come yeah, through for the call. And in the lesson. Mm-hmm. That's what the woman is doing is taking the kids through to say, look at these wealth disparities. They're getting toys and the leisure that cost more than, than your rent. You know what I'm saying? Or right, right. Well, talking about and, liberation, talking about liberation, let's talk about the black woman, the, the book, and how you mentioned her going to the women of the Black Panther, and then they turned her down. That was really Say interesting. That, that. The, the, the book, The Black Woman, um, yes. and how she tried to create that from essays of, you know, other women. And she, you mentioned she went to some women in the Black Panther organization, but they didn't want to be involved. Well, so here we go again. Um, so first, this is a, 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 a pioneering work, the, the Black Woman, mm-hmm. right? And, and I argue that everything that you – that you see that she talks about in the black woman, would it, you see her also, all of these things she actually does in her fiction, her subsequent fiction, yeah. right? It's a groundbreaking black feminist text that is timeless. Um, when she went to the, the different um, uh, women in these organizations and say, you know, let, let's do some position papers and try and, you know, you know, we need to debrief what we were dealing with. Their response was, look, we don't, that's in-house. We don't want to put it out in that way because, as I said earlier, the, the boogeyman for sexism becomes black mm-hmm. men when we live in a patriarchal society and we become the scapegoat. And who are the publishers? Whites. Yeah. So the whole conflict in the 70s and 80s of black men and, black, and, and, and white women and the black men were – you know, getting all their stuff published and then suddenly, well, wait a minute, we don't control any of these market forces. You know, it's, it's white publishing houses that were deciding they're going to publish, you know, James Baldwin, Ralph Ellison, Richard Wright. And then, you know, uh, later it's, um, you know, uh, these phenomenal black women, you know, writers are, are really, uh, you know, getting uh, a lot of shine. And so, yeah. um, so, so that, that that was the dynamic there that, you know, Tony was saying that that was what they were saying. And she's like, okay, cool. And so, so then it became, okay, let's, let's have these, you know, these, these essays within the black woman that represents different generations of voices. Even her own mother contributed mm-hmm. a, uh, an essay to that. And uh, you had people of different kind of political, uh, you know, suasion uh, within the text. And so, you know, Tony is always about multitude of voices. It's got to be holistic. Let's really balance this thing. And so, um, you know, I think that's just consistent with her uh, constantly. Even her last book, uh, Those Bones Are Not My Child, was, you know, with the Atlanta child murders. She said, let's, let's take this and get on the ground and really uh, try and she, let me create the voices of the people because she was there going through that trauma, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, and and people didn't want to hear what the people, they were discounting what the people were saying and knew, right? Because soon as Wayne Williams. Well, you talk about that. You you, you talk about that in the book about like people were addicted to the, uh, the, what was like the, the, the final report. I I forgot the phrasing that you used, but it was like, uh, let's, let's wait until, a certain report comes out and then we'll believe that and people were addicted to that type of thing as opposed to getting yeah. it on the ground. But um, we only have a few minutes left. So I wanted to, are you still able to read a little bit of the book? 
Yeah, yeah, I can read a little bit. I hope it's not boring. Okay. I'm going to read a little section from, um, would I have a couple of minutes? Yeah, like, yeah, that's fine. I, I extended a little bit. So whatever you got, uh, okay, later on. Okay, I'm going to just read a little <laughs> section from, um, from Those Bones and Not My Child because it's like a, okay. it's a very long book, about 600 pages long. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, we can't read 600 uh, pages, Davidi. <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. I'm just going to read a section of me talking about the importance of that book yes. and what she's doing regarding Christian spirituality and Afri- African spirituality. And so, you okay. know, I, I talk about um, in Bones, the dead children haunt the main character, Zala, and her family and the community. Okay. The punishment is knowing that they fail to protect. So I'm talking about this whole idea of there's a covenant that's been violated, is that they fail yeah, to protect Yeah, you talk the about the contracts. Yeah, that's right. contracts, yeah. Uh, yeah. one of the things you mentioned in the book, contracts that we have with people, yeah. our families, and the community. That's right. So the punishment is knowing they fail to protect the children from harm or fail to act to resolve the situation and usher forth satisfactory protection and resolution. Their failure is that they became complacent. Bambara's fictional story haunts readers who are forced to relive the horrifying events in Atlanta. The reader is reminded and informed of several visions of the awful reality. They learn that the murders happened and that justice did not prevail because the people strayed from the ultimate promise, which is staying focused on preparing and protecting the next generation for reaping the fruits of liberation struggle. Thus, just as Lovey, the grandmother, applies herbal medicine, mother wit, and ancient wisdom to straighten out her family. The fictional story functions similarly as a medicine to readers in real life about necessary practices of liberation. Christian spirituality and African spirituality are effective narrative strategies in this novel. What emerges is a complex picture of a female character deftly negotiating a black art-influenced adherence to black, black artistic reformation that seeks to recover an African spiritual ancestry without rejecting the Christian spirituality and revivalism that was key to sparking the civil rights movement. The iteration of spiritual wholeness at work here also embraces black aesthetic impulses without denying the importance of the black church, particularly its women. And so uh, um, can I do a little more or is that okay? Yeah, no, go ahead. If you I mean, Let's, oh, let's oh, say okay, two more minutes okay. if you want to do it. Okay. Okay, okay, particularly it's women. Um, in an interview with Zala Chandler, Bambara confirms that the church and women are prominently artistic influences. Bambara says, women who moved me were the sanctified church women, members of the women's departments of various sanctified churches. These women frequently spoke on Speaker's Corner. They were significant because they were the historians of the church And as such, they always ensured that the contributions of women in the church were lifted up. They taught women how to be speakers, to be historians, to be researchers, be bibliophiles, and monitor each other's development. End of that quote. Unlike the black radicalism that might have eschewed the church for being passive or representing a link to the shackles of European influences that had hampered black literature and art, Ambara appreciated, acknowledged, even embraced the importance of these spiritual cultural traditions. While critiques were leveled at the revivalist reform 
reforms and tendencies of the civil rights movement that always believed in miracles, emotional conversions, public testimony, and region-wide enthusiasm for charismatic preachers because they were vital to the political movement. Here, Bambara relies on this very thing to sway the community. We might also consider, uh, so Bambara's main character gives a sermon. And we might also well, consider Sonny's reappearance um, and Zala's charisma as Bambara's message to her contemporaries that black political movements have religious dimensions and significant female presence. So, you know, I, I just try and take another twist and look at what, what I see her really kind of saying, all of the cultural, you know, components, even if during this, you know, conscious black arts moment are not to be ignored, right? <laughs> all of these yes. things are weapons, you know, so. Anyway, no, I, uh, I think it's a great book. And actually, it um, is very educational for people who may not know her. Uh, it's, it's accessible in terms of her stories and your connections, uh, talking about feminism, talking about spirituality, talking about the balance of male and female, talking about the past and the future, the present. Um, there, there's all in there, and it's accessible for people to understand her work. And it's sad that, you know, uh, I have a license in social work now, and it's like nobody talked about her in social work school. And I think she would have been good to talk about, uh, especially as a representative uh, of the African-American community and as an artist and how she used her art um, and her uh, social work together to, if you will say, heal um, the, the community, you know. Um, and, and so I think that that was something that should be taught with the curriculum, um, and she was not there. So that, that, that's a sad thing about it. But you wrote this book, and uh, I want to give away some copies of your book. Uh, so I want to tell people to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And, Sadidi, um, where can they purchase the book? Is it, like, on Amazon and um, yes, uh, Barnes & Noble? Yeah, Amazon, Barnes, um, any of the, you know, bookstores in your area can order it, but also, you know, just um, you can go right to the Wayne State University Press website and uh, get, a, get a copy as well. Um, and, uh, or, hey, uh, people can uh, reach out to me if they want a signed copy, and I'm happy to get them one as well. <laughs> so, okay. So how, how, should, how can they reach you? How can they reach you oh, to be, so if they want to get a signed copy? Yeah, first and last name, Sabidi Lewis at gmail dot com. No spaces, Sabidi Lewis at gmail dot com. So uh, well, I just want to give a shout out to the late Cheryl Wall, who's also a really strong uh, influence and helpful to me, as well as Joyce Joyce, and you know one of her former students, Janet Holmes, who worked, wrote the first biography. Uh, mm. You know, so many people helped me with the book. So many people were gracious. So many people loved Tony. And Philadelphia is home for her, New York, Atlanta, you know, so. Um, and yeah. I just want to let the audience uh, know, unfortunately, she was taken from us very young, if you will, um, you know, due to, to cancer. And I, I bring that up because I do a lot of health shows, and I want to encourage people, especially uh, in the African-American community, to take care of their health, take care of themselves. You know, there's a saying about put the oxygen mask on first, and then you can help other people. So please take care of yourself and get your, no, get your checkup. You know, this month is Stroke yeah. Awareness Month. We talked about that early on my Instagram uh, chat. 
Um, but uh, colon cancer is also something, uh, and, and you can be healthy. You know, uh, what's his name? Chadwick Boseman passed away from colon cancer. I know. Um, and uh, and uh, I, uh, people, you know, were devastated, and he was a bright light as well. But it, what I'm saying is it can happen to any of us, so it's important to take care of your health as best as you can. Um, uh, and if you don't have health insurance, which I know some people don't, then, you know, there are a lot of health centers in many areas that offer just free basic services. Um, and at least you can get a baseline of where you are uh, in, in your health. Okay, that's enough for preaching. Um, but no, you're, you're right on it. Health <laughs> is important. Self-care, because people of color endure, you know, we, do a, we endure a lot of stress that impacts, you know, our emotional and physical well-being. And uh, that's real. So we do have to yes. take care of ourselves. Yeah, we, a lot of us are dealing with trauma and PTSD. And, you know, I don't think of myself as black until somebody else tries to point it out, you know. And, and that's yeah. one of the stresses that, that happens, the conversations that you have to have with your kids. Um, the black yeah. conversation, black parents know it. Th- th- those are things that cause stress and anxiety and that people who yeah. are not African-American don't have to deal with that. Now, other people like Latino people and uh, some Asian cultures, they do to a certain extent. But African-Americans, it's, it's really um, ingrained in our psyche uh, a, a level of pressure. Uh, for example, I, I want to drive across country. The first thing I'm thinking is where can I go as a black person? Where am I mm-hmm. safe? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, that's a whole other conversation to be well, now no, we're no. talking about something the public, else. <laughs> hey, the public enemy logo is, is so appropriate and real, you know, the, the, with the, you know, black person in the, in the scope, you know, like that, mm-hmm. the public enemy logo is real. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It is really real. So, uh, well, you're okay, absolutely let me ask right you some silly it. questions. I'm going to ask you some silly questions. Okay. If you had a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> you know, if I had a superpower, I would want the powers of a uh, of Spider-Man. How about that? <laughs> I okay, want Spider-Man okay. superpowers. Yeah. Are you a turkey and cheese or peanut butter and jelly? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm peanut butter and jelly because I'm vegetarian. Okay, so what makes a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Is For it me, the bread? Is it the jelly or the peanut butter? Oh man, uh, it's all three. And, and matter of fact, three pieces of bread. <laughs> That's what makes what, okay, wait. Now, what kind of jelly are you? Like, are you using grape or is it strawberry? I'm a, I'm a like strawberry, jam? Strawberry, raspberry. That's 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 my thing. And then okay. peanut butter. I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'm Mr. Healthy. I'm trying to do almond butter or you know, uh, you cashew know, one of those butter or something uh, like that. Cashew okay. butter or you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, organic peanut butter that, you know, don't, it ain't like Oh, that the oil, no like, stays at the top? Are you the person that's in right. the house when with you... the, the peanut butter and the oils at the top of the jar? That's right. <laughs> and I'm you got to mix it in inside? absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if hey, you I'm had $100, it's, wait, wait, it's wait. expensive to try and be healthy. We up here talking about take care of your health, but the, we, the world we live in has found a way to make it, Again, an elite thing. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, That's yeah, true. I'm it butter, is though. true. Um, if you had a hundred dollars, what would you do with it? Oh, if I had a hundred, I got a hundred dollars, but if, <laughs> if I didn't have, a, 
get put me with more than that. No, I would um what would I do with a hundred dollars? Uh, what would you do with it? Uh, hundred dollars. I'm buying. A, I'm buying. I'm buying some books. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm buying some books. I'm I'm going to a, a nice little lunch uh, and and hanging out at the cafe, uh, um, reading the books and having lunch. Uh, and uh, now, that's are a great you are, are you a physical book person? Like, do you have to have the physical book? Yes. Are you doing Kindle? Are you doing Kindle? I have, like, I have Kindles out of necessity. So any event that if I'm teaching a class or doing something and I got to get to the book or I left my book at home, I keep a Kindle as a backup so I have it. I'm physical mm. book. I'm, I know they allow okay. you to mark and all that. No, I want to write in it. I want to mark it up. I got to feel it. And I know my house mm. and my shelves are groaning with uh, books. But I'm, I'm, I'm You and me I'm both. You and me both, I'm oh, my God, you know I read so many books. I'm, like, reading a book or two every week, and, like, I had to, like, go to Kindle, and then I, the audio, uh, Audible, I, I went to that, too, and that was hard for me because I was, like, again, how am I going to write the notes? How am I going to do this? Because I'm right. asking questions, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I, I got into Audible and um, actually helped me because I have to read so much. But I, I had right. to get some more bookshelves. <laughs> People told me they blast. <laughs> Somebody said I blast. They keep up, you know, because they can just talk, you know, listen to the books, and that's cool, you know, that's cool. But I'm 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 having a personal relationship with, with whatever I'm reading, you know, and so I, yeah. I need to yeah. touch it and, and and write a little something, you know. So uh, I'm old school. Wow. I mean, I look. I, I read the way I write. I I kind okay. of type on the computer or I'm writing on paper. And I need the writing on paper to slow me down, so I can really like take the pressure away and just like what I'm really, what am I really thinking, you know? Because that well, that, you that, know that, that screen is demanding when write, something. When you write with your hand, there's some kind of neurological thing that happens. I suppose it's different than when you're typing or listening to mm-hmm. like the audible. That that action of writing. Uh, it helps with memory, creativity. There's, there's different studies supposedly done on that type of thing. Um, but now with kids, you know, growing up, everything is electronic. So I'm sure there's going to be different studies about that, how people learn, how people absorb information, how it impacts our creativity, um, and, and so on and so yeah. forth. But well, we got to go. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today, Sabidi, and um, I look forward to um, receiving a side copy of the book. <laughs> yes, it's on the way. And people, please okay. get out there, get you a copy of uh, Black People Are My Business, Tony K. Bombard's Practices of Liberation, Wayne State University Press, or Sabidi Lewis at Gmail. Hit me up, and we can work it out, okay? All right. Well, you guys have a great uh, weekend over there, uh, all the way on the West Coast there. And um, go back to sleep now, okay? <laughs> well, thank you for having me on the show again. It's a real honor, okay? Uh, oh, thank I really you. appreciate it. You know, and keep right, doing the good work. Okay. I will talk to you. Okay. I, I'm bye trying. Bye. I'm trying. Okay, talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Again, um, this is a, a wonderful conversation. If you missed any part of it, it, it will be archived, and you can check it out on iTunes iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, Google, as well as here at uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we're just talking with author Sabidi Lewis about his book, Black People Are My Business, Tony K. Bombara's Practices of Liberation. Very, very inspiring book. 
just really, really like you, you just taste um, his love for her uh, and her work and her as an artist, her as, as a social worker. It's all in there, um, and, and, and you're going to want to go read every single one of her books after you read his books because you're going to want to get deeper into it. Uh, thank you again. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Check me out on Facebook Saturday morning for Joy Keys and on Instagram. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon.